3: from KQED.
0: Hey, hey, everybody from KQED Public Radio, this is Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer.
1: And I'm Marisa Lagos on today's show. This is not actually an election year, but that isn't stopping ambitious politicians who are interested in running for Diane Feinstein's U.S. Senate seat next year. So we're going to dig into that with two of our favorite political insiders. That's
0: right. Campaign consultant Deb Meslow, a longtime confidant of VP Kamala Harris, going all the way back to her days as DA in San Francisco. Also, Joe Garofoli, senior political writer for the San Francisco Francisco Chronicle. They're both here to chew over the race as it stands. Even the though race. Feinstein has, uh, well, it's you know, it's it, there. The, the horses are in the gate. You know, one one of them got out uh, a little quickly. Uh, but uh, Joe Deb, welcome back. Welcome back to Political Breakdown. Thank great you. to so have you to with be us. Here.
2: It's it's great to be back. Always. I, yeah. well, I never. You right, never know what enough, will Joe. happen on that show. Okay.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you can tell, we all like each other. Uh, let's start off big picture. Yeah. Uh, Joe Diane Feinstein, eighty nine years old. Held office since 1992, and she still has not yet said whether she's running in 2024. Uh, do you think she's actually going to retire, or is she going to try to she, break Strom Thurmond's? No, record? she. I, I. I would be highly, heavily, highly surprised if
2: she if she ran for uh, what, what's reelection. The, why?
0: Why not just put it out there? I. You know, because you know,
2: because Diane does everything by the book. You know, and this is which book is this? the book of Feinstein. (laughs) Uh, But no, she I mean, she's an institutionalist and she doesn't she feels that she would, you know, you're a lame duck, uh, you know, in some ways. Now, you could say we haven't seen much of her lately. You could say she's kind of a lame duck now, although her staff does a very good job. Uh, She rarely appears in public um, other than walking to and from uh, votes. So, uh, yeah, but I would uh, let's put it this way. Scott, as you know, I'm a big Steeler fan. If uh, if Feinstein were to r- run for re-election, I would wear a Cleveland Browns jersey. Wow,
1: and walk hear. from the
2: Chronicle building to the Embarcadero, All right, yelling well, "Go Browns!" We
1: have that on tape, so we will yes, come back to that if it happens.
2: I'm confident. I, I mean,
1: Demas, you know. Dianne Feinstein was elected in 1992, the year of the woman here in California. Barbara Boxer, who is younger than her, served for a long time, but stepped down in 2018. And I think there were a lot of people who who thought that Dianne Feinstein might be ready to retire. Um, Why do you think she didn't follow Boxer's lead?
3: You know, I think what Joe is saying is exactly right. You know, I worked for Feinstein leading up to that 2000 um, election, 98 to 2000. And I do have to say, you know, she's loved her seat. She's loved serving the people of California. Um, I know it's been extremely difficult the last couple of years with the loss of her husband, Um, you know, but these are big shoes to fill. She's loved, um, you know, being in the Senate and serving in the Senate. I also think that, you know, she had, I think what she feels was unfinished business with some of the gun control legislation that she passed early in her career and that she was hoping to to see come back around. So um, I agree with Joe. I think that she's by the book. I'd be surprised she's going to be 90 in June. Um, And she has been one of the longest term, you know, senators, longest serving senators. So we'll we'll see what happens.
0: You know, Deb, what do you think the state is missing? If anything, Joe, as Joe said, she's got great staff. They do a lot of the work. And that's true for every senator and many Congress members as well. Uh, in the House, uh, you know, what do you think is missing? What, are, what is the state not getting? What are voters not getting having, you know, not having a senator who is actively engaged?
3: Well, you know, I think this is um, always a challenge for voters because, you know, with her being in the Senate, we get so much seniority. And unless you kind of really work within the senator, part of those daily operations, you know, the average voter wouldn't know how that translates. But California gets quite a bit because she's our state, you know, she's our senior senator. So we have a lot of seniority. We'd have to go back to ground zero, um, you know, uh, if and when she steps down. Um, And that's really meaningful for the state. That said, though, I think there is kind of this national um, ethos right now, of wanting a younger generation to come into politics. And certainly we're seeing that, you know, in California um, as well. And so I think that that's having an impact on what people want to see, you know, in our Senate races. Padilla, obviously much younger, you know, uh, an appointment there. Um, But I think this is something that a lot of people want to see in their politics in the state and and nationally. Well,
1: that brings up a good point, Joe, which is like, I think there's two critiques of DiFi right now. One is that she is not politically in step with, I think, the majority of Democrats in this state. The state has shifted to the left a lot (laughs) since she was first Mm -hmm, elected. mm -hmm. But then, and I know we want to be respectful about this, but there's been a lot of pretty, um, I think, tight reporting around the fact that she is cognitively declined, that she may not be. In her best place, she is almost 90 years old. Um, so I, I don't know. I just wonder, like, what do you think, like, that obviously opens the door for some opportunity for some of these younger candidates. But it does seem like even if you're sitting on the best committees, if you're not a player in D.C., like, is it actually serving the almost 40 million Californians? Right.
2: And, and we saw that. And, and, and it's been recognized out in the open among her Senate colleagues when she had the opportunity be, to be named as uh, as, as a candidate. As top leader in the Senate, which is... Twice, tradition- actually.
1: Two committee a committee and a pro tempore, yeah. yeah. Right,
2: right. And uh, she, was, she was bypassed for that. And now she says, well, no, I'm going to work on other committees, but that's not the way it went. And so there is a level of uh, respect for Senator Feinstein, in, in, in uh, nationally and in, in Washington, for her years of service, for her pioneering, for her uh, for her, her boundary breaking, but there's also a level of disrespect. Let's be real. Uh, when you when you get over when you get passed over for stuff like that,
0: we know that some of the prospective candidates have reached out to her uh, to kind of just uh, let let them know that they might be interested in running, and you know that is courtesy. She's earned that. Yes. Um, but I'm wondering, Joe, if you think. Uh, an endorsement from her would matter much. How much would it matter?
2: Uh, well, I think that uh, an endorsement in 2000 might have meant a lot more than it does now. I mean, if you look at her uh, her public approval rating is you know 30. What is it? 49 percent disapproval rating. 45 uh, percent of Democrats and 25 percent of Independents approve of Feinstein. So I you know. Mm, it's it's a mixed bag. It'll it'll matter. It's not going to game, yeah. not gonna be the ball game. It's not going to be the ball game. It's it might not even be a, a half an inning.
1: All right, uh, Deb. I mean, you have worked. Obviously, we've mentioned Kamala Harris, who you've worked with and advised for a long time. She was the U.S. senator for California briefly before she went on the VP ticket. Um, what does it take to build a viable statewide campaign here? I mean, this is an expensive state to plan. Yeah.
3: You know, I think it's a couple things looking back on that, you know, 2016 race. Number one, anyone who's from Northern California, as we know, has an immediate benefit because the northern part of the state, you know, has the most um, loyal voters. So they we have voters that high propensity voters. We also carry for the most part most of the fundraising dollars. So that's why you see so many of our statewide electeds coming from Northern California, as you've seen in California, you know, for years. It's that 80 corridor that's just voter-rich, you know, that um, always delivers those votes. So, um, you know, I think these are challenges that some of these Southern California candidates are going to have getting their name ID out there. I I think the other interesting thing about running for Senate in California is that with the, um, with the open primary system, so meaning you're running against other Democrats, the interesting thing we found in Kamala's race in 16, and I guess it's no surprise, but it's a challenge when you're running, is that, There's no national money coming your way till much later, right? So you've got to raise a lot of money quickly um, to get your name, ID out, to show that you are um, a serious candidate. Um, There's no national money coming in, but yet the national expectations. So in order to raise that money, you have to go outside of California for the most part when you're talking about that level. You've got to go into other places. You've got to go New York City, Chicago. We Mm. made the circuit. And the expectation in California, if you're running from California, is that you're going to raise the level of like an Elizabeth Warren, 40 million when she ran for Senate. There's this expectation that you're going to do Massachusetts Massachusetts is a lot smaller. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Wow. Because I I was just about to ask you, because I'm hearing they have to, you know, ante up at least 20 million. But you think for the full race, 40 million, or how about till the primary? 20 million? Well, you know, that
3: was the expectation. Like when we were running in 16, that was asked a lot of common, like, you know, your budget must be 40 million. I mean, that's what Elizabeth Warren raised and spent to win her seat and so there's that expectation nationally that's that's what you're going to be able to do in california but without any other national pockets coming in like a third party the dnc something to help you which you're not going to get in the primary um, it's very difficult to raise those dollars. So, come over the course of that Senate race, right? I think we raised close to either, I, I want to say either 15 or 17 million.
0: Well, let me, let me just jump uh, in there was, because, yeah. you know, she kind of cleared the field in that. That was an, you know, an open seat. Barbara Boxer was retiring, and it was really her and Loretta Sanchez, who turned out to be a kind of quirky candidate, Congresswoman from you LA. Can say don't forget that. the, that's the dab. That's the dab. Don't the, forget dab. the dabs don't go over well on the radio, but, you know, we can We can we send can't you a link. The
3: dab. So, yeah, the, the yeah. on. But
0: but that made a huge, well, how big a difference did that make to her to have, you know, I want to say the field to herself, but she was,
3: she wasn't she anointed. Was it was hers to lose. You know, she still had to raise that money, um, you know, to come in and, and win. And so certainly, yes, it wasn't, um, you know, a crowded field. She did have a lot of the field to herself. Um, but, you know you also are thinking about at various stages in the race, even though she did not want us to, and you all have known Kamala for a long time too. um, When you're certain that, you know, you, it looks like that you are going to win. Then you start thinking about the, the, um, the gravitas you can come in when you come into the office. So you got to think about the fundraising when you come in. You got to fundraise for leadership to be able to have good committees. You got to like show that fundraising strength. So it's not just about winning the 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 seat, although that's your first priority and your only priority when you're in the middle of a campaign. But then you've got to think about after that, you know, what what is your fundraising responsibility and obligation? Yeah. Um, So that's a whole other level.
0: All right. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the specific candidates who we know or think are going to be running uh, for that U.S. Senate seat, including perhaps Dianne Feinstein. Who knows? You're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. And welcome back to Political Breakdown. I'm Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos, and we're going to continue our conversation about the jockeying underway for the U.S. Senate seat currently held by Dianne Feinstein. Our guests are political campaign consultant, Deb Meslow, and... Joe Garofoli, senior political writer for the San Francisco Chronicle. Well, Joe, you uh, speaking, this... of <laughs> speaking
1: of seniors. Speaking of seniors,
0: wait wow. a minute! Wow, not Joe. <laughs> no, he no, is no, not.
1: I was going to say where he was earlier this week. <laughs> oh, okay, I there don't we go. Know. Oh, see, I, we I, took a I
0: personal. That was a good save there. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. what what Marisa is referring to is uh, you today, this week, Joe. We're out uh, with Katie Porter at Rossmore, out in the East Bay yeah. of San Francisco, a very well known retirement community. Yes. A regular stop. On the campaign trail for Democrats, especially, you were there. Uh, what was it like? What kind of reception did Katie Porter, the Orange County Democrat who hopped into the race early, what kind of reception did she uh, get?
2: Five hundred people. This is Rossmore, a uh, ten thousand member uh, retirement community in uh, near Walnut Creek. Uh, it's uh, and it was the Rossmore Democrats, which is a very uh, powerful, uh, the largest. They call themselves the largest Democratic club in in the country. Um, in the
1: country, wow! In the
2: country, they have eleven hundred members. <laughs> All right, and, it, uh, cool. and they do a lot. They, they, yeah. these is a group that they, these are the texters, these are the, are the postcard writers. So these is an active crew. She got a standing ovation. So they loved her. Five hundred people. Some there were some uh, people came in off the street too. Um, so uh, it was so it was interesting the way she portrayed herself. One she talked about. Uh, oversight. She said that's what she's going to do. And the key there is she talks about oversight because that's a bipartisan issue. We all know Katie Porter in her viral videos uh, where she's grilling uh, uh, Chase CEO uh, Jamie Dimon about why bank tellers who work for her can't uh, make a living wage. Uh, that went over well. They believe that uh, independent voters are going to be key and oversight and talking about that is something that, that appeals to everybody.
1: I mean, Deb, Katie Porter has been enormously successful as a congresswoman. She's been super popular. Joe talked about her going viral. I mean, MSNBC loves her with her whiteboard and taking, you know, rich people like Jamie Dimon to task. Um, And she's been able to raise a lot of money down there. But any of, you know, we're going to talk about some other potential candidates too. They're all going to need, as we said, money to introduce themselves. Before we even get to the electorate, like, what's your sense of what sort of internal political dynamics are. What do people think of her? Do they like her? Is she too much of a show horse? Like, is that, you know what I mean? Like, what's the vibe in DC and and in these conversations you're having?
3: Well, I think it's an interesting thing. I mean, you know, as you pointed out, Marisa, like she really knows how to make a viral moment She's done that all through her career, through her whiteboard. I don't know if anyone saw the photograph um, when we were going back and forth on McCarthy and all the shenanigans and the book that she was reading. Um, (laughs) She knows how to make a viral uh, moment, and she's whip smart. Katie Porter is, you know, just one of the smartest people. She flipped that seat. Uh, You know, that was just incredible. She held that seat. She won that seat. It was redrawn. Uh, She had to spend a lot of money defending that seat. And I think that that was probably, I'm sure a big decision for her team. You know, do we go out in front um, before anyone else has? Do we, you know, um, challenge Feinstein to be the first one? These are big decisions, uh, strategy decisions that you try to make as a team. Um, But, you know, she also, I think, is showing, you know, ambition and she's showing that she knows it's going to take a lot of money and she's out there first. So she's playing to win. She's playing early to win. Um, You know, it's my understanding she's already raised over a million dollars. You know, I was just thinking back the day that, we announced in 2016 um, our website crashed because we had so many people coming in to be able to give those contributions. Now you are raising it though, right? At 2,900 a pop in the primary so that's the I mean, limit
1: that an individual can can give you that's
3: right that's right so i mean it's you know again to raise the millions of dollars like what we're talking about and again someone like katie who um you know especially for a lot of political watchers again man she came on the scene and she just like exploded out there right um uh, but so a lot of people that i think are political insiders know her she's gonna have to introduce herself yeah uh, um, you know to the rest of the state and i love hearing joe what she was saying you know smart strategy smart mm-hmm. to go there <laughs> You know the the um the voters are really turning to decline to state or independent. That's our you can know. Can I just? Most can I
1: just w- real quick? We've been having a debate in the newsroom because our younger producer guy is like, why would she start her campaign at Rossmore? Like, are those pictures <laughs> going to come back to haunt her? Sounds like you and Joe. Joe, I mean you and Debbie thinks it's a smart move.
2: Well, I think they uh, first of all, it's in the Bay Area, so it's in Barbara Lee's backyard, right? which, you know, which was, she's,
3: that's We'll get to Barbara. Yeah, we'll
2: yeah. get to Barbara. Yeah. Uh, and. I think but this is a very active club this is a this is a this is a must stop the other candidates are gonna be stopping there i know uh your producer uh, <laughs> and, uh he's already given me crap about it because he said so the first stops in a gated community yes that's true but the other the other uh, two or three are going to stop in that same
0: gated and she community has
1: a lot of millennial support i would assume from these viral videos and that sort of thing oh right?
2: yeah yeah people yeah. she's on the map
0: for, yeah. for those crew. well one of the people she's certain to be running against was here yesterday at kqed adam schiff former prosecutor. <laughs> former state legislator, also a prolific fundraiser. He's got in the bank, twenty million, and we should say Katie Porter raised more money than any Democrat in Congress. More, a little more than Nancy Pelosi raised, but you know, she, had it, it, right? she had to spend. She had to spend two thirds of that, right? Yeah. But she has that capacity. What do you make of you know? How do you, How would you size up her versus Adam Schiff, who has been very outspoken against Trump, uh, as well as on the January sixth committee, the impeachment committee, the first time around, uh, which also earned him a lot of enemies.
2: Right. And I think that that's that may uh, come back to haunt him with uh, with those independent voters because he is how many nicknames did, did Trump give him shifty shift and pencil neck, pencil neck and all this like so he is he is sort of a uh, uh, a, a bad image among some, certainly among conservative voters, but uh, maybe some of those independent voters. Um, that said, he, like Porter, is uh, cable news strong, uh, very popular among the base.
0: He pointed out to us he was on the View last week. Yes,
2: yeah. so, so a swallow. Yeah, uh, so it was this <laughs> week. This week. Uh, so uh, the other, the challenge but they're going to hit um, uh, Schiff on being uh, too corporate. Because uh, Katie Porter makes a point of, I don't take any uh, corporate PAC money, blah, blah, blah. And uh, watch for her and Barbara Lee to hit shift on that Does that point. matter to voters? I think among the base voters... Yes. And Among a sliver of the base voters. Yes.
1: And Deb, I'm curious on that, because like this is sort of uh, this interesting thing for Schiff. He is not, let's say, as dynamic of a personality as Porter or maybe Barbara Lee, who we'll get to, or Ro Khanna. But he's also become the sort of icon for the left because of the way he stood up to the Trump administration. But mm-hmm. he's also, as Joe says, more corporate, a, federal prosecu- a former federal prosecutor. Like, how does he thread that needle? Who is his base in this?
3: Yeah, I think he's going to struggle there. He needs to come out early and define himself. And I think he's also going up against the challenge that, you know, Marissa, you said at the beginning, which is exactly right. So many people in California. I remember that 92 race as a woman like, wow, that election that we had, you know, two women from California. It was just incredible to see those two women go into the Senate. And so. You know, Senator Padilla is doing an amazing job, you know, the appointment by the by the governor. Um, But I think a lot of people are going to feel like this is a women's seat that, you know, they won't want to see necessarily women lose both seats. So I think that ship is not only going to have to introduce himself to people in the Bay Area, uh, make sure that he defines himself, but he's also going to have to kind of explain to voters who might feel, especially a lot of female voters, who are high propensity voters of of why this should go to a man and not a woman. I think that's going to be an uphill climb. If you're
0: just joining us, you're listening to Political Breakdown from KQED Public Radio. Scott Schaefer here with Marisa Lagos. We're talking about the emerging race for the U.S. Senate seat held currently. By Diane Feinstein, with political consultant Deb Meslow and Joe Garofoli of the San Francisco Chronicle. Well, speaking of women and women's seats, uh, Barbara Lee uh, is getting into the race. Apparently, she told members of the Black Caucus, and I've been talking with folks. That clearly, we don't know when, but she's going to get she's into that now. race. Um, you know, what do you think, Joe? Um, she, a lot has been made of her ability or inability to to raise money. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make? Is that a fair? Uh, standard to judge her by now
2: well that's one thing they're all going to be pointing to first at the the ground zero because as as deb was pointing out it takes money to run a a campaign in a massive state like california um barbara lee's never really had to raise money she routinely wins her seat with 80 percent of the vote so that's not a thing that she's done she's and when she's raised it she's raised it for other candidates she is currently now talking to donors um and, and this is I'm going to explore this in the column that's coming out Sunday in the Chronicle is uh, they have a concern. They every. And I heard this concern at Rossmore, too, and the, the senior community. I love Barbara Lee, but she's 76 years old. And I know yeah. that's that's uh, we're treading
0: in tough ground there, especially when you're following Diane Finley. Right. When that is yeah. the
1: critique of her of the potential yeah. predecessor. And But then also, Deb, like we have only had two black women in the U.S. Senate right. ever. Right. Let's repeat that two black women ever. That is wild. And Kamala Harris obviously was one of them. Um, but, you know, I think there are a lot of people. Rokana, Khanna, who we're going to talk about next, has yeah. sort of indicated that he may not run in part if she does, because, you know, I mean, he says that it's because he <laughs> wants to be respectful of that. But I mean, what are your what do you make of that? And, and do those sort of uh, whatever you want to call it, demographic, identity, politics matter when you're trying again to introduce yourself to a state this huge?
3: I think they matter less, and and I'll tell you why, because I do think that, you know, we've seen so many more women come into leadership at all levels, but certainly in California. You know, Karen Bass being our mayor now in Los Angeles, you know, we've seen other women, Kamala, you know, being vice president. So I think across the board, I, I do think that Barbara Lee, I have such immense respect for her. I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Again, this national ethos, we're seeing this across the board of people wanting a younger generation. I don't think it would harm her so badly if the United States Senate and the United States Congress, you know, writ large were younger. But I think people are looking at their TV screens and they're just kind of like, we need a younger generation to represent us. I think that's really going to hurt her. And I will say, you know, fundraising is the hardest thing when you get in, because I mean, you just got to like, you know, dedicate almost full time to raising money. And, and you have got to kind of enjoy
0: it in a way.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's it's hard, you know, it's like it's all you're doing at first, but you have to do it to show the strength. And, um, you know, and and if you haven't done it and you don't already have those lists, if you haven't already kind of um, built that muscle, I think it's hard to do. Well, we
2: we, Barbara Barbara Lee told me on on my podcast about a year ago. She said, "Barbara Lee, national icon." She says that it is ten times harder for me as a progressive black woman to yeah. raise money. And you said, "You." She said, "You ask any any person of color in the Congress, and they'll
0: tell you the same thing." Yep. Well, and we just saw a race in North Carolina where Sherry Beasley, very qualified black woman, uh, former chief justice of the state mm-hmm. supreme court, there lost narrowly, yep. had a hard time getting money from the the national party as well, in part because people just didn't it's think like she the could self-fulfilling win. Prophecy. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yep, yep. So yep. let's talk quickly right. about Ro Khanna. We alluded to him earlier. Uh, He's you know very ambitious, Silicon Valley Democrat. He's also on TV all the time, uh, very much aligned with Bernie Sanders uh, and that wing of the party. There's even talk of him running for president. Um, if he gets in, Joe, what does that do to all of, you know the, the the makeup and the dynamics and you know the slicing up of the electorate?
2: Well, I think it would uh, it. it, it Barbara Lee would lose a couple of advantages. One of the of the Bernie wing of the of the party. She and, and uh, she's very tight with that with that crew, um, and also the northern the geog- geographic uh, mm-hmm. advantage she may have. If uh, I think Deb alluded, alluded to this earlier, uh, if if you have two Southern California politicians, they may you know split that region up, uh, and if, if Barbara Lee has Northern California to herself, that's an advantage. But if Roe gets in the race, then it's not.
1: Yeah. All right. Well has kind of indicated he probably is not gonna run so we don't have to spend as much run. time on him yeah. I should note for our listeners you know we've got been going through all these folks really quickly we've had all four of them on our podcast over the years you can go back and check out those profiles of them we'll be re-upping some of that as this race goes forward Joe has also had I believe all Every, of these I think
2: everybody's been on, all yeah. these
1: candidates which is which is awesome as reporters we're very excited about this field just yeah. you know, no <laughs> they other return reason our phone calls. they so call us
2: back <laughs> yes um, but unlike I do wanna... him, other senators <laughs>
1: yes like <laughs> maybe Kamala. 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 Um Anywho, Deb, not to make you answer for that, (laughs) yes, I do want to, though, ask real quick. I mean, we're talking about this as if it is, you know, automatically going to be two Democrats. That's not necessarily the case, even though it would be very hard for a non-Democrat to win statewide. We've seen in a lot of these statewide races that, you know, the Democrats can split the vote and we don't end up with a top two. Um, Do you see any viable candidates? You know, Rick Caruso just lost to Karen Bass in L.A. He's not a Republican, but. He was, was uh, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Is, is there a path for either a third party or a Republican candidate here?
3: I mean, you know, I think that there is a, a celebrity like we saw, you know, um, in the kind of like um, an Arnold Schwarzenegger, a, a celebrity who has that name ID built in already. Ben Savage. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, um, you know, is right on the issues. You know, again, it's independence and declined estates are the, are the biggest voting bloc now you know, um, and, and rapidly growing within California. That said, though, and I'd love all of your thoughts on this, too. I do think that Trump brand, you know, any Democrat, you can automatically like slap them with Trump. Um, and so that's something, again, that they'd be facing some headwinds early on. But someone with the celebrity name, um, you know, that's what it would take.
2: <clears throat> I think the the problem for any Republican In California, other than being a Republican, in California would be uh, raising money during a presidential race. If our primary is indeed going to be in March again, uh, you know the the race could still could be live, and the donor community is not going to want to put away money on a on a Senate race. Can we say? The way on you public television. Okay. We'll
0: save it for the podcast.
2: Okay. Uh, uh, on, we're not going to want to do that uh, for a um, uh, on a Senate race when they when they can get sort of more a bang for their investment political investment in a presidential campaign. Yeah, we're
0: short on time, but Joe, you mentioned 2024. It's a presidential year. Deb, you're in D.C. You're close <laughs> to Kamala Harris. What are you hearing about Joe Biden? It looks every indication is he's going to run with Kamala Harris as his vice president. Uh, how excited are people about that, or concerned? You
3: know, I- yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think every indication um, is that he's going to run, and that you know she'll um, she'll uh, stay on the ticket. She'll stay on the ticket, and okay. you know we were just talking about you know the Warriors event at the White House, one of the most sought after tickets, but, you know, seeing them there. Um, and so I think they're, you know, a formidable team. And I think that we'll see them running again in 2024.
1: That means we're going to have to wait till maybe 28, Joe, for a for a, a Gavin Newsom, Kamala Harris uh, face off. <laughs> yes. Huh? Oh, my
2: gosh. That will be the, 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 the be all end all.
0: Yeah. Well, that, uh, you know, we thought 2023 was going to be a year with no election. And technically, that's true. But uh, as we can tell from the last half an hour, uh, there's, there's going to be... <laughs> there might be a recall. We didn't even you get to know. Nancy Pelosi. Hey, we hey. were going to talk about that as well. Don't but put we'll that, that on us, Joe. <laughs> we'll save No recalls,
1: please. Day. Just for our sanity.
0: <laughs> All right. Joe Garofoli, Deb Meslow in D.C. Thank you both so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. That okay. was fun.
3: Was good to see you. Good
0: that, to see you, Deb. That does it for this edition of Political Breakdown, a production of KQED Public Radio.
1: Our engineer's Jim Bennett. Our producer, as you heard, is Guy Marzarotti.
0: I'm Scott Schaefer. For more politics coverage from KQED, subscribe to the Political Breakdown newsletter at kqed.org slash newsletters. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time, everybody.